Um, if you do have a Bible, jump with me to James, the book of James. Um, that's what we're teaching on over the next little bit. We're going through the book of James, sort of breaking it apart. Um, you know, like a, like a delicious pulled pork shoulder. We're just going to pull it apart and just... Oh man, I'm hungry. Um, enjoy how delicious, delicious it is. If you weren't here last week, I did a little intro um, for you. Uh, or if you didn't listen back online to the message, that's okay. Probably wasn't even uploaded, to be honest. Uh, have a look on the screen. Here's a little update, a little overview of the book of James, just so you can catch up to speed. It's a general epistle, which just means letter, uh, a general letter to all the churches as you know, Ephesians or Corinthians are direct letters to a specific church at a specific time. James, like Peter and Titus, is just a general letter to, about general issues for all Christians. Um, it's widely agreed that the author was Jesus' brother, James, or as he was called, Jimmy. Jim, Jimmy, Jimmy C., I think he was called. No, he wasn't called that at all. Um, the tone of the letter is warm and is pastoral. Um, it refers to the readers as brothers um, or dear brothers about 14 times. The main theme is practical Christianity. In other words, faith looks like faithfulness. Uh, James or Jimmy C's view is that the Bible is to be obeyed more than it is just to be studied. So it's a book to be responded to than just gather information off. Uh, the key verse is 122, which is uh, be doers not hearers only. Next screen, be warned. This book will challenge all of us in our Christian conduct and lifestyle. It will. It's going to bring up some stuff that's going to be really confronting for how we live our life. If we call ourselves Christians, James, it hits some pretty key areas about our life. But the goal is not to be condemned, but to be inspired to grow in the image and likeness of Christ. So let's, let's all determine that we're going to have a posture of growth and maturity, not offense and resistance. That we choose to lean into what the Bible is teaching us rather than go, oh, I don't like that and push it aside. Okay, we are big people, we are mature people. This is God's word, we are his children, so let's respond accordingly. Uh, chapter 1, uh, we looked at a bunch of different things. We looked at trials, uh, counted all joy as we face various trials because that actually builds our faith. It builds resilience inside of us. We looked at temptation, how God does not tempt us. When we face temptation, that is not from him. Why would God tempt us or lure us away from himself? That does not make any sense. But yet we face temptation, we face these battles in our life, which just points us to the fact that we are in indeed a spiritual battle that there's an enemy out there that's trying to tempt us and lure us away with things that are shiny or tasty so that we can go away from what God has actually prepared for us to enjoy as his children. So being aware of that. Look at pure religion, um, that being with people, it's about being with people in the midst of their troubles. That really is the essence of the Christian life. We can make it all intellectual and, and theoretical and things like that, but the the reality of what it truly means to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus, uh, is to be actually... Um, proactive in that by, by just being with people in times of trouble, just sitting with them, loving them, being caring, being nurturing, and not just having the right answers for people, but just being present to be helpful in their life. So today we're going to uh, look a bit through chapter 2, uh, the first sort of 10 verses or so. Um, but before we do that, I want to pick up a little bit on the main theme of the book of James, and we touched on this last week, and I want to sort of continue down this vein because this really is the main theme of Jimmy C. And 
And it's in verse 22, which says, don't just be hearers of the word only, but be doers. See, many Christians, um, before I say that, I, I remember as a kid, uh, one of my favorite things was when um, we got, it was mainly petrol stations, I'm pretty sure. Petrol stations and some supermarkets would have a, a pick and mix section. Remember that one? You'd go there and there was like, it was like Mars Bar, Snickers, Milky Way, Bounty, Cherry, right? I mean, just like all these things, it was like five for $4 and you could just pick and mix and you get the little bag and you put it in there. It was epic. And I'd be like, yes, heck yes, getting Cherry, right? Absolutely Bounty, load up on the Bounties. Crunchy? Sure, I'll have a Crunchy. Mars Bar? No, thank you very much. Milky Way, what am I for? And so you get like a, a delicious bag of pick and mix chockies just for you. It was wonderful. Many Christians treat the Bible like that. Oh, I like that. Oh, that's tasty. Oh, put that in my bag. Oh, no, thank you. Oh, what am I for? I'm beyond that. Oh, no, that's too. Oh, no, no, no. And we pick and mix the passages that we think we like, we have a preference for. And we pack them in a little theological bag, and that's what we munch when we watch our movie and live our life. And the scriptures we don't like, we either ignore or we weakly justify a way to avoid us having to consume them or put them into practice. But all of Scripture is useful and God-breathed. And so it's not for us to pick and choose. God went to the effort of writing these things down for all of his children to follow and obey in order for them to live at their optimum level of human flourishing according to his grand design. Who do we think we are to pick and choose what we like? Especially when it comes to following orthodox Christian theology, which has been in place for thousands of years, and we somehow think that in 2023 we've stumbled across the secret source and we know better than all of our forefathers. We've got to just trust the Word of God. What is the Word of God if it's not a document sent from above for us to trust and obey in order to keep in step with and develop a flourishing relationship with God, our Father? Just like a diet plan or an exercise program is not meant to be merely read but applied, so too the Bible is not merely a study guide for religious people. It's meant to be applied and lived out. That's where the power lies. The power does not lie in the book. The power lies in the obedience to the book. Let that sink in for you. The book is not that powerful until the book is applied then you can see the truth in that book outworked in reality because you've actually started to walk it out. So, let's do a little exercise together. I told you you might love me or hate me, but that's okay. What James is saying is that that we shouldn't be, now James, keep in mind, this is a brother of Jesus. He knows what he's talking about. He has lived with Jesus, walked with Jesus, he understands Jesus. And he's saying, hey, don't just be hearers, only be doers. Of the words. So let's do this exercise. I'm going to read a bunch of passages that you probably would know of. You would have at least heard some of these before if you've been around church for any period of time. I'm not going to do a show of hands. We're just going to do a show of heart. So inside your heart, as we go through these things, we're going to read this passage and then answer for yourself internally. Am I a doer or a hearer only? Now, I've selected about six passages from, from random aspects of the Christian life directly from the Bible, so don't argue with me, argue with God. Let's go. Number one, Malachi 3.10, bring the full tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour for you a blessing until there is no more need. Are you a doer or are you a hearer only? 
There's two options. Next one. Hebrews 10.24. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Doer, hearer only. Next one. Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Doer or hearer only. Next one. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Doer or hearer only. Next one. Matthew 6.15. But if you don't forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you of your sins. Doer or hearer only. That is brutal when you think about that, right? Because sometimes sin happens to us that we deem as completely unforgivable. I could never, ever forgive that person. And fleshly speaking, you're probably right. But there has to be a higher standard than our experience. And it must be God's way. And we've got to trust that if we can just obey him and forgive that person, then we can receive the fullness of his forgiveness for us. Next one. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. There's no caveat that says, yeah, but to get drunk with beer is fine. Get drunk with whiskey's all right. Let's not be silly, guys. Come on, don't pick and mix. Um, but be filled with the Spirit. Doer or hearer only. A good exercise is, is if you're feeling brave and if you do still love me, read, read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And you might be thinking, man, Justin is the greatest preacher of all time. Thank you. Appreciate it. Incorrect. Jesus is the greatest preacher of all time. And the greatest message he ever preached was the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. So read that when you get time and do this test on your own heart. When Jesus teaches on these things, which are him revealing how heaven operates, how God's kingdom functions, that's the Sermon on the Mount, essentially. This is how it all works. This is how God actually set things up to, to operate. How much of that do we obey and do? Or do we just hear only go, oh, that's nice for some. Like, it's important that we are not just hearers, but doers. Can I go a little bit deeper? No? Okay, great. I will anyway. One of the most confronting scriptures I've ever read in the Bible that gets me every single time. Hebrews 10.26. Right? Keep in mind, it's just after Hebrews 10, 24, 25, which we just read about not forsaking the assembly, right? Don't forsake gathering together. In fact, do it all the more as you see the day. What is the day? The day is the judgment day. Jesus returned back for his people where everybody will be judged. We'll talk about that in a minute. So before he talks about that, so just after he talks about that in verse 26, he says this, one of the most sobering passages ever, Hebrews 10, 26. If you go on sinning deliberately there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. 
So we have this theology, oh, Jesus has cast all my sins and he's forgiven me. That's it's true, 100% true, totally true. But what do you do with that? If we go on sinning, in other words, if we live our life as hearers of the word only and not doers of the word and obedient to it, then we are deliberately sinning and there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Three verses later in verse 29, it gets even worse. It says, you have trampled underfoot the blood of Christ and treated it as a common thing. Just so you know, I really love you. I care for you. I know this is heavy. I know this is full on. I really do love you. But this is, this is the Bible. This is what it actually teaches. It's not just rainbows, lollipops, and skittles. We have a responsibility to be more than just hearers. We have a responsibility to be more than just people that come and sit on a seat on a Sunday and live the rest of our life the rest of the week. We, we've called to a higher way of living. Remember what I said at the beginning on the screen. The goal is not to be condemned, but to be inspired to grow in the image of and likeness of Christ. And the tone of James, although he's direct, it is warm, it is pastoral, it's not condemning. He is loving and encouraging us to a higher standard than simply religious complacency, which, in my observation, is more widespread and prevalent ever, and especially since COVID. Religious complacency. Um, I think this is just getting off script a little bit. Um, yeah I'll say it I think some of the people in my observation and experience, this is not a blanket statement from my observation as a pastor what COVID has done over those, these last three years has revealed and amplified what already existed in the hearts of people what do I mean by that the people that I have observed that have never come back to church since COVID Pre-COVID, we're looking for a reason in the first place. We're looking for an out. And COVID's like, here it is. And they were like, thank you very much. Um, people that were restless pre-COVID, that restlessness has been amplified and now find themselves hard to really settle into church life again. Hard to serve, hard to commit, hard to be here. Uh, they, they prefer the freedom that, that, that real life brings in churches and add on if they could get around to doing it. But then there's a few, there's a, not a few, but there's a bunch of people that, that really revealed that they had a deep, strong relationship with not just the church entity or the service, but, the, but Jesus. And so they haven't missed a beat. We're here, we're serving, we're giving, and, and we're all part of what, what God has called us to do because our relationship with Christ is not dependent upon a global pandemic. It's dependent upon us being his children and directly in relationship with him. But what I've seen is over the years is this religious complacency or this spiritual complacency sneak in and it's drawing our hearts further away from God and, and we're being tempted by our own desires, as chapter 1 said, and, and it's, it's pulling us away from God a little bit. Okay. We good? I, I love you. Honestly, I do. I do. All right, chapter 2. He gets a bit specific now, James. He, James does bounce around from different thoughts, different topics, different ideas. We read that in James. Here's one of those bounces. So he's talking about don't just be hearers of the word, um, be doers. And then he gets specific. Chapter 2, verse 1. It's on the screen. My brothers. See, my brothers. It's, it's, it's pastoral. It's warm. It's lovely. Show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. 
For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, sir, while you say to the poor man, stand over there, or sit at my feet, mate, you have not then... Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers. Again, he loves them, beloved brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to Scripture, which is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicting, sorry, convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. Thanks, Jimmy C. Appreciate that. That's a little encouragement there. And it's saying, stop calling him Jimmy C. I can't help it. That's just his name. <laughs> a couple of key thoughts from this passage. Um, verse 1, as you hold faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, you can put that back up there, Shadow. Um, Shadow and partiality, as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. As you hold the faith. He's talking to all of us. Anybody that holds faith in Jesus, this passage is applicable to is speaking to. There's a universal truth for everyone who would call themselves a Christian in this next few verses because he's saying, hey, as you hold the faith. So as long as you call yourself a follower of Jesus, this next thing is going to be um, super important for you to pay attention to. And that is what? To show no preference to people based on their appearance or their status. There is no place for discrimination in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God and dare I say the local church, is a place for all people. There should be no discrimination here. If someone comes in looking shabby and like they haven't had a shower, we should treat them the same as we treat the, same, the person that rocks up in the Lambo. If we don't, we show partiality, and that's actually a sin. It's crazy. Because the kingdom of God is for whosoever. God so loved the world, all people whether they are rich, poor, or, or whatever. So here's some thoughts. How do we treat people who are of different ethnicity to us? How do we treat people who are of different socioeconomic status than us? How, how do we treat people who don't believe the same things that we believe? How do we treat people that don't have the same moral ethics as we do? How do we treat people who have a different political view than we do? How do we treat people that have different sexual orientation than we do? It's a good question to ask. Because if we discriminate against such people and we don't show them the hospitality that they deserve as God's created beings, then we become, as verse 4 says, judges with evil thoughts. Oh dear, that's a bit harsh. And this tends to happen a fair bit, a fair bit, right? Um, at the end of chapter one, um, James makes a comment about what pure religion is, and he says that it's to care for the widows and the orphans in their distress, right? Which is awesome. But he also gives us this other 
thing that we need to do is, is to keep oneself unstained from the world. Right? So look after, be careful for people in times of trouble, but also keep ourselves unstained from the world. And so what, what I think, in my observation, we have done with that as Christians is we have, through our, the way we live life, the way we organise our churches, the way we interact with people, we have sorted the wheat from the chaff, we've sorted the goats from the sheep. The Christians from the non-Christians. And we did that, or we do that, in order to keep ourselves unstained from the world. And, you know, some Christian families might um, say that they're protecting their kids from the world, but really they're just isolating their kids. We should be preparing our kids for the world, not protecting them from it. And so we need to teach our kids how to interact with people who don't think or behave or speak like we do. How do we show the grace and kindness of God by interacting with people who are not like us? And so when I think about like this, this idea of how we separate people um, in order to be pure or orthodox or whatever we want to call it, um, I kind of go, well, isn't that doing God's job? Isn't God the one who separates the wheat from the chaff? Isn't God the one who separates the goats from the sheep on judgment day that we will all face judgment? believer and unbeliever alike, we'll all stand before the throne of God's holy, perfect judgment and be held to account and he will separate. So our job is to love our neighbour as ourself. Even if our neighbour doesn't think like we think, even if our neighbour has a different sexual orientation to us, even if our neighbour is hostile towards our worldview, we're called to love them as we love ourselves. God's the ultimate judge. God's the one who will sort everything out in the end. We're just called to be obedient, to be doers, not just hearers of the word. Because in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11 and 15, it talks about how we will, we will all face the day, the judgment day. We talked about that in Hebrews 10. Uh, don't forsake the gathering, but do it all the more as the day approaches. This day is what we read in 1 Corinthians 3, uh, where we will all hold account for our works. And it talks about how the fire of God's judgment will fall upon all of the works we have built our life upon. That essentially all of us are builders and we are building a thing called life. And some of us build it with things called straw, with things made of straw or, 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 or hay or, um, or timber. And, other, and we also build with things, called, with things of like silver and gold and fine jewels. And the, the, the fire of God's judgment will burn all that up and only what is pure will remain. The silver, the gold, the fine jewels. All the, all the wheat, all the, uh, the, sorry, the hay, the straw, the timber, that'll all be burnt up, consumed. And so we're going to be careful about what are we building our life with? Are we building a life with a healthy submission to God, loving a neighbour as ourself, loving God with all of our heart and soul and mind, being doers of the word and not just hearers only? These are silver, gold, fine jewels. These are us finding the heart of God and, and ramming it inside of our chest and then letting ourselves live from that point. That is us being with Jesus and being like Jesus is to build our life of substance and things of value and worth. Or are we building our life with preference, desire? Build, are we build, essentially, are we building our empire or his kingdom? Because our empire, as good as we might think it is, is, it's the hay, it's the straw, it's the timber. It'll be consumed. But his kingdom, that's worth building. And when we stand before him in judgment, 
All that we're left is, are we building his kingdom? James 2, verse 8 and 9, we read it before. If you really fulfill the royal law according to scripture, which says you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. At the end of the day, what we all want to hear is when we stand before the, the, the judgment seat, the God's judgment fires down and burns up all that stuff. We want to hear that sweet sound, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Enter with me in paradise. How do we know if we're doing well? James says, if you love your neighbour as yourself, and if you don't show partiality, if you don't isolate yourself from the world, but you integrate yourself with the world and keep yourself untainted from its pleasures and desires, but be a positive influence, you're doing well. If you let God be the judge and us be the witness, you'll do well. Let's not show partiality. Let's not just be hearers of the word. Let's be doers of the word that, that find the power of God in us actually working it out in our real life, day-to-day lives. Not just having a, an understanding or a theology about something, but having its power worked out through the reality of us being obedient to the scriptures. Let me pray. Lord, firstly, I thank you for these people that did not walk out during this message. And more than that, I thank you, Lord, that it would really penetrate our own hearts, mine in particular, Lord God, that you would help me be more of a doer than just a hearer. Lord, that I wouldn't be a teacher that just teaches without the the reality of it being outworked in my own life, Lord, that I would lead by example. Help me. And I read these difficult scriptures, not to pick and mix, just to go to my favourite ones, but Lord, that I would do some deep work inside my spirit with you in my inmost being to be the kind of person you called me to be, to be a man of integrity, a man who will follow after you no matter what the cost. And Lord, let that be the heart for all of us here today. And we don't do this out of religious obligation. We're not condemned or guilted into it, Lord God, but, but we freely choose the challenge to live at a higher standard. We freely choose the challenge to surrender our life to you. We truly, we truly choose, Lord God, to, to align ourselves with Galatians 2.20. It's no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. And this life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me gave himself up for me. So Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you love all of us. So much that you gave your life up for us to have life with you and the Father, empowered by the Spirit. So Lord, let us live this life in humble submission to you. And I thank you that you would do incredible things with our life. In Jesus' name, amen.